And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. So we're getting ready to start another Fastened Like Nails podcast, and I thought I'd be silent for a while, see who would speak first. My friend Colin Smith is sitting here on the side of me and has not uttered a word or even a sound, but Molly broke the ice and started to laugh. <laughs> Welcome to another Fasten Like Nails podcast. And in the studio, of course, we have Molly Mayo, my co-host, and silent but filled with God's truth, <laughs> Professor Colin Smith. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure to be here. I don't know how you did it, Colin, but you were able to stay, stay silent through that whole introduction of my silence, which <laughs> you did it. That was uh, impressive. So today we're going to be talking more about the curriculum and the the uh, the book, The Giant Killer. But it's not really about the curriculum. This is about amazing truth. And we're, today we're going to be dealing with the topic of selfishness. Hmm. And moms and dads and listeners of all ages, uh, he, hold on to your seat because today is going to be a ride um, through the scriptures that is life-changing because... We're going to talk about several characters that um, emphasize selflessness and selfishness. But before we do, Colin, bring us up to speed as far as part two in this story of the giant killer. We dealt last week with the giant of sloth and mm-hmm. laziness, and this week, the giant of selfishness. Tell us a little bit about this giant. All right. Well, our opponent today is the giant selfishness. So if you're ready, let's go through the Sunday school. All right. So our key verse for the day is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Mm. All right. Wait, what does that look like um, to place others more valuable than myself? I, I can understand that. But to... Um, have their interests above mine. What? Look, so people that are married, fathers, mothers, friends, um, a pastor, a teacher, a leader. Here. You interact with anybody at all in any day. <laughs> Whoa! Putting all of their interests above yourself. Mm-hmm. Seriously? How'd you get anything done? Well, <laughs> I think when you're reacting because you have interests that are in conflict with someone else's interests, Mm -hmm. you're oftentimes fighting over resources and interests, goals, you know? Mm. I think when you're a Christian... Wait, wait, wait. You mean like you telling stories after lunch and me yelling out, Molly, what are you doing over there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the the idea here is you're supposed to realize that as a Christian, we all have the same goal, the glory Mm -hmm. of God. We're all supposed to harmonize to that one goal. So we're no longer selfishly seeking our own betterment and our own good and our own glory, mm. but we're all harmonizing to seek the good of God. And we all do it unique ways. Some of us are administrators. Some of us are talented at writing stories and sharing them with people to encourage them and, you know, all different facilities. I don't, like, I don't like this one. Can we go to the next giant? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to do, and I there's no way I can just, like, try to harmonize with all you guys doing your own thing and like it's I got to get things done what I mean 
Colin, you like telling stories in the middle of the day. Yes, love it. That bothers me to no end. You know, Molly, you like listening to the stories. Well, I don't know if you like listening to them, but you'll take, because you're so nice, you take the time to listen to his stories when there's other things to do. Oh, my. Oh, it's so good. She's such a good friend. Yeah, let's let's fight this one out because any of these listeners, this sounds so pie in the sky, you know, like. I I love listening to the stories. Yeah, I know, but there's work to be done during the middle of the day. So how do you. Okay, so, okay, everyone might think that I'm a bad person because I'm bringing all this stuff up. <laughs> and I'm trying to be real. I mean, you're, you're running a ministry. You're running uh-huh. an organization. You're running yeah. a business. Uh-huh. You're running a family. Yes. You know, if you're going to always, you know, like, i got to put other people's interests above myself. If a mom did that throughout the day, laundry wouldn't get done. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, she has to see that, that her greater goal is to do the laundry. And the laundry is Wait, an her greater goal is to do laundry? Isn't, is not to just do the laundry. <laughs> her greater goal is served by doing the laundry. So mm-hmm. you're bringing God glory when you serve people and when you mm-hmm. love them through service. And doing the laundry is an act of love and service. Okay, I like um, that. So the way we harmonize everyone, one to another, is by tuning ourselves to Christ mm-hmm. and the mindset that he had when he humbly put himself below us and he humbled himself and took on the form of a servant Mm. and he came to this earth and he took on the form of a servant and he died on a cross and it's everyone humbling themselves because we're imitating christ and we're putting on that same mind Mm. so i think key to having the mind of christ is coming back to the cross going to it and just looking at what god has done for us in Mm -hmm. jesus and looking what that sacrifice bought for us personally and then turning around and living that out in other people's lives doing for them what Jesus has done for us out of gratitude and love for God. Okay, I want to be a little bit more of an adversarial advocate right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Mary and Martha's brother dies, and Jesus takes his time to get there. And finally, when he gets there, both Mary and Martha are a little upset. You know, Mm -hmm. if you had, Lord, if you'd been here earlier, my brother wouldn't have died. Mm -hmm. Okay? So Jesus didn't just always do what people thought he should do at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not always stopping what you're doing and ministering to people. It's really being in tune with mm-hmm. your Father in heaven of what he wants you to do at that time. Where mm-hmm. the Lord's leading, yeah. Okay, so Colin and Molly, I really want to hammer this out. What does this look like in the family? Let's start mm-hmm. in the family first, mom and dad. Dad's got all this stuff to do. He's building a house. He's got work to do at work. You know, he comes home, and then there's the kids. You know, mom's had the kids all day, you know, and mom wants you to deal with one of the kids that was mean to his brother or sister. Um, Mom needs your attention right now, needs you to do some certain things. Um, But dad's got all this pressure. He's got to get all this other stuff done, you know. Mm -hmm. And and then um, dad needs mom's attention. You know, he's he's been working really hard for several days. You know, he wants to be you know, encouraged and loved and comforted and treated, you know, like he's the king of his house, you know, and just all these things that are happening. Then there's the kids, you know, they feel like dad's not giving them the time that they need and all these things. And so how does that look to value other people above yourself in the busyness of our lives in the family? Mm. Sometimes it looks different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Time, how we manage our time. Uh, says a lot about what we value. What you value, you will spend time with. So I think 
carving out time for each other is part of loving each other and serving each other. But I think ultimately you need to see God's role in creation as a role of a servant. Um, you know, God doesn't just care about himself 100% because he cares for us. He's a steward. Mm-hmm. He, you know, all of this serves for his glory. But what he does is he he cares for us. He make sure we're still alive by thinking about us constantly. Mm. He provides for our needs. He meets our needs. He knows our needs. So mm. that idea of being a servant is sort of like God's stewardship in nature, mm. how he cares for our little birds and mm. plants and animals, and he gives them what they want. He gives them rain when they need it. He take, Think of a whole earth God is a steward of, mm. and we're part of that earth. And I think in a home, you need to be a steward. Mm. You need to be like God. You need to look at the needs of the house and kind of humble yourself and serve them. And then I think when people see that, like your children or your wife, I think that's when they start to imitate you and the blessings start to multiply. Mm. That's really good. Um, Staying focused on the things that are most important. Father is protector, provider, sustainer of his home. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Old Testament words for father of have the letters Aleph and Baith in the beginning. And Aleph has got the picture of a bull with horns. He's the strong protector. He gives strength. And then the Baith letter for Av is a picture of a tent with a arrow pointed into the earth that holds the peg in and holds the tent up. He's the provider. He uses the spear to, to kill an animal. He also uses the spear to collapse the tent to protect from the enemies. And then the, the Just Baith, visually, it sounds like an anchor, yeah. too. Oh, yeah, that's good. And, and also it holds up the tent. So he's the, he's the provider, and he's also the protector. He provides, he provides for his family. He gives them protection mm-hmm. from the elements. And so that's the father's primary role. And then the mother's primary role, I- interesting, the, the word for woman is Isha. She's also the strong one, strong bull, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Both mother and father are strong bull. Mm-hmm. So it's good for a mother to be strong. But she, with this letter in her name, Sheen, it's a picture of water in hides being dipped into the water where mm-hmm. the scum from the hides would come to the surface, she would scrape that scum off and she would use that as glue. <laughs> and she would use that in pottery to hold the pottery together So, because she is the one that is the nurturer and she's feeding her family. So she would take the food that dad caught in you know, the hunting and she would now prepare that. And she would also provide you know, the different you know, bowls and stuff for her family to eat out of. And so the mother is the nurturer, you know, she's the one that's preparing a table for her family. What's interesting about these roles is that when they're performed and performed well, like you said earlier, they're performed out of a heart of love for their family. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, I think of my mom. My mom was an amazing, and my wife, amazing examples of, you know, t- we live in a culture today when, when a woman's role, you know, in the home, cooking and doing all of those things I just mentioned, is seen as, I don't know, defamatory, or um, it's looked upon as less than, you know, valuable. When actually, it is so valuable, especially when they do it out of a heart of, mm-hmm. of love. They're fulfilling their roles, and so I think when men and women understand their roles, mm-hmm. they serve selflessly mm. in those roles, and what it does to those that are, you know, those that are receiving the benefit of mm-hmm. their roles. That makes a family so strong. And as a son and a daughter, you become very appreciative. When I came home, Molly and Colin, 
I don't remember a day that I did not come home to some either oatmeal cookies or my mom always had something freshly Mm. baked. It was either apple pie or pumpkin pie, but especially (laughs) oatmeal cookies. She knew I loved oatmeal cookies without chocolate chips. So it was just oatmeal cookies, and there'd be (laughs) milk would be sitting on the table, Mm -hmm. a cold glass of milk, and she would time it so that when I walked in the door, there would be hot oatmeal cookies sitting on the table. The only son. Well, she had a daughter, too, but she made them for me. (laughs) (laughs) Her selflessness did not lead to my selflessness. Well, that's funny because that's been kind of a reoccurring theme this week. We talked about that at church on Sunday, and it was the Corinthians type of love, and it listed all the things that love is. You know, it doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's kind of things, you know, of others before itself. And I thought that was kind of cool because, I mean, ultimately it boils down to love God and love others. And so, um, I don't know, I, sometimes I think about that where, you know, maybe I'm working on a task and someone like really needs something, you know, at that moment and, um, you know, you want to get frustrated or irritated or whatever. But um, like if I took everyone out of this situation, this scenario, and it was just me and my work, like I wouldn't really have a point to being mm-hmm. here on earth if it was just me and I'm going to write this thing like, you know, when I sit down to write, that's for people. Or when I answer the phone, that's for people. And like God made us to have those human interactions with others to enrich and bless and to be poured into. And so I like essentially that's like the essence of life, you know, being loving towards other people and thinking like dying to self, you know. But I think it opens new doors, too. I think when we're selfless, we take the time for other people to treat them more valuable than ourselves, like. Philippians 2 says, Mm -hmm. I think when we do that, it opens new doors. Can I I tell you guys a story? Mm -hmm. Of course, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. (laughs) Colin, I don't want to take away from you right now, but this, I mean, your teaching usually stirs me up, you know, to where I start (laughs) thinking of all these things. But uh, last week I was at a cafe. There's this guy that came in and there's just something. He looked at me and he smiled, you know, and he was probably in his 50s. You don't see that very often. No, it, it was... But he had a smile like he it was real, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just authentic. And I have not seen anyone with that kind of authentic smile. One of my best friends in, in uh, seminary, his name was Joe Johnson. And I haven't seen Joe for probably 15 years. And I'll never forget my first day of seminary class. Joe was sitting there. He had a painter's outfit on. So he had white pants, white shirt, and paint <laughs> all over him, right? He's coming to seminary taking classes, and he's working full time. And I turned around and looked at him, and he looked at me with a smile. It was the mm-hmm. exact same smile. And we became best of friends. I'm mm. attracted to people that, I don't know, that make me want to smile. You know, you want to be around mm-hmm. people like that. So this guy had the same smile. In fact, Aww. you would have thought that it was Joe Johnson, you know, <laughs> with longer hair. And so he just smiled and I was drinking my coffee. You know, I was on the computer typing away and, and the Lord just kept nudging me like, talk to him. You know, this is a new relationship. So I put my computer down and I said, hey, um, um, just out of curiosity, are you are you like a townie? Are you from the area? And he goes, no. And then we started talking and I, and I said, are, are you Italian? And he goes, a hundred percent. You know, we started talking about Sicily and That's Italy. Awesome. And my family's Italian. And, and, uh, we just, all of a sudden you could tell that God was like bonding us into a new relationship where when I left, I just thanked him for the, uh, the smile of the day and, uh, for the great, you know, communication and the little talk we had. And, and I left and I stopped and I said, um, I hope this is just a beginning. And he goes, me too. And, Aww. you know, and I just walked out and and uh, being kind. and so, Now, I could have just been like, 
I've got this paper to write. You know, don't mm-hmm. talk to me. Don't even look up at me. Uh-huh. But God was like, hey, I've got you here for a reason right now. Mm-hmm. And I put this person in your life for a reason right now. And so through an act of unusual selflessness, because mm-hmm. I'm not that way normally if I'm mm-hmm. really busy, God keeps opening new doors for us to minister to other people. Mm. So, Colin, that takes us into more selflessness of yes. Philippians 2. Yes, absolutely. So, in the class, after we read our key verse, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Okay, so you're making this. This is part of the curriculum that you've developed Yes. for what age child? Um, so it's Sunday school curriculum. So we're looking at the target age group of like 8 to 12. Mm-hmm. Okay, 8 to 12-year-olds, and Sunday school teachers will be teaching this material on the giant, first giant sloth, now the giant self- selfishness. selfishness. Yes. And so the key verse is? So our key verse is Philippians 2, 3, and 4. And the next thing we're going to be doing in the Sunday school is we're going to be reading a section from the illustrated book, The Giant Killer. Cool. Okay, time out. Illustrated book. Have you seen the illustrated book? I have yet? seen illustrations from it. Yes. You have? It's Molly, amazing. Have you? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I've never seen an illustrated book like this in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I love the old Cinderella and Snow White and Billy Goat Gruff and, you know, all those amazing old classic stories. I think that we have being created. In our very midst, something that's going to last into the classic era. It's so well done. What Moms and dads and grandparents, where do you see this illustrated book? It's mm-hmm. it's a little on the scary side, wouldn't you say, with these giants? A little bit. I mean, it's a giant killer, and it's about this knight who's killing giants every other <laughs> chapter. So I guess you can't kill giants nicely, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not. we're not getting graphic. Cause well, you can push him over a cliff. and. Yeah. He's a knight, so he has a sword. Yeah. He, he mm-hmm. kills them. <laughs> Slate cuts off their head? Yeah. No, he does not. There's a picture in the Giant Killer book where they, like, actually impale him with the sword. And, I like, you turn the page and it's like, ah. Oh, that's fine. If he's killing giants with a pail, I don't think that's a big deal. <laughs> <That's> the... <laughs> okay. Keep going. Okay. Well, at this moment in the class, I w- I've, I've asked for volunteers, and Molly and Mark are going to read a section Ooh. from the illustrated book, The Giant Killer. So you have it in front of you. And uh, Molly and Mark, are you ready? Yes, ready. we are ready. All right. Molly, please take it away. Okay, cool. Mark, you want the first one or the second? Oh, I'll take the first one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to be selfless. Molly, you take the first one. <laughs> okay. Uh, page eight, giant selfishness. Giant selfishness sat in an elegant wooded archway adorned with fragrant pink flowers. The giant was of colossal stature, much more powerful than his younger brother's sloth. Evil tidings. Sloth may have been the first target, but he will not be the last. I fear nothing on earth but that invincible sword. Not even my might can stand against it. He paused, deep in thought. Ha! I have it! What force cannot accomplish, trickery may achieve. The giant selfishness clapped his hands with a thunderous boom, and his servant pleasure appeared. She was an exquisite fairy-like creature with delicate wings that flashed with all the hues of the rainbow. Pleasure, go to the castle of sloth and prepare for the night fighties, a decadent feast that will tempt him to delay. Pleasure flew off. If he tarries until dark, he is my prey. Gloated the giant <laughs> selfishness. Fidus looked greedily over the opulent feast held in honor of his success over the evil giant sloth. 
For a moment, he heard the faint warning of conscience urging him not to linger, but he did not regard it. Pleasure had loaded the table with all of his favorite foods, honey-glazed salmon served with roasted seasonal vegetables, crisp apple strudel, warm-buttered biscuits, and tender, juicy steak, all piled up for him to enjoy. Decadent, velvety cakes adorned the table in towers of delectable desserts. Without a thought, Fidus piled his plate higher and higher. The sun slowly went down, and the earth grew dark before Fides finally rose from his feet and bid his adoring guests and the tasty table goodbye. Pleasure offered to accompany Fides along his journey. Finding her a very pleasant companion, Fides willingly followed her down the path and through the forest. In the heart of the forest, the giant selfishness waited silently, listening for the sound of footsteps. It was a dark and cloudy night. He who follows only pleasure will be sure to fall into my pit. The giant smirked. A terrific crash rang out through the forest. Fidus had fallen into the pit of selfishness. Thankfully, the drop did not kill him. It may have been his wondrous armor that saved him, or perhaps it was the watchful eye of the king who was known to give special protection and grace to his knights, no matter how far they had strayed from him. Fides was discouraged and embarrassed by the fall, but he was determined to free himself. Grasping at a creeping vine called Praise Seeking, Fides climbed. Although at first the vine seemed strong and sturdy, just when he least expected it, the plant broke. He reached round him for something, anything, to hold on to, but no help was to be found. Down, down, down he went, falling straight into a muck of self-pity. Far above him, the giant selfishness let out a booming laugh, thrilled at Fidus's failure. <laughs> Collecting himself, Fidus began to cut out resting places for his feet in the soft wall of the pit. Slowly he climbed. Ha! I must put a stop to that, cried selfishness. He gathered a massive heap of boulders and threw them down into the torturous pit. Fidus dodged this way and that, but it was too much for his feeble strength. He was once more hurled to the bottom of the pit. Fighting tears, Fidus remembered the words of conscience. Breathe upon the hilt of your sword, and you will behold me beside you. Fidus set his sword in front of him and breathed upon the hilt. Immediately, the dark pit began to glow from the light of conscience. Oh, conscience, cried Fidus. I am buried alive in the pit of selfishness, and I do not know the way out. Conscience raised her hand upwards. Look this way and see what has been placed to help poor captives climb up from this dungeon. Fides looked up and saw a cord of twisted gold and silk hanging from the top of the pit. This is the strong cord of love, spoke Conscience. The scarlet twist is love towards man, and the golden twist is love for God. The giant holds no power over this cord. He cannot break, loosen, or destroy it. Fides grasped the firm cord of love and began his climb out of the pit. Seeing Fides climb out of the hole, holding on to the cord of love, the giant's selfishness let out a cowardly cry. Ah! <laughs> Just as the giant was about to turn his back and run, Fides flew on the giant and slew him. But what shall I do with pleasure? Fides asked Conscience, looking back at the former slave to selfishness. He did not want to kill the charming pixie. You have paid a costly price to rescue pleasure from selfishness. Now that she is free, she will dutifully serve you, 
However, young knight, your battle is not yet over, for now I will place her under the care of the king, where she will await you upon your return. Continue on your journey and take the strong cord of love, as it may prove useful to you. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> I can't wait to read this to my grandchildren. Dun, dun, dun. This is really cool. Boy, I, I forgot about pleasure. Yeah. She's in the form of this little fairy in there, but what an important theme. So, Colin, um, you helped write this story, right? Yes, absolutely. I had a hand in that. So my, my father used to say, pleasures and desires make wonderful servants, but mm. awful masters, mm. terrible masters. I remember um, in a seminar someone said that if you follow pleasure first, you will pay a high price afterwards. But if you pay the price first, working mm. hard or doing whatever it takes to pay the price first, then pleasure will follow. Absolutely. Yeah. And what a battle. Uh, for a second there, I looked like Fides wasn't going to escape that pit. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but the giant selfishness almost trapped Fides in the pit of selfishness. How, so how did he actually fall into the pit? What was, what was the cause of it? Uh, he was following pleasure through the night. Mm. And when you follow pleasure blindly... You fall into the pit of selfishness. Mm. So what does that look like today in our culture? We actually just talked about this in our last podcast. <laughs> yeah? What does it look like? Um, yeah, I mean, like... Video games. I mean, kids are caught into the trap of these video games. They're following after pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they pay an extreme price. There are adults in their 20s, 30s, 40s right now that are still gaming. You know, they've ruined their their marital life, they've ruined their family life, they've ruined their relational lives. They, they, they are so addicted that the ecstasy of this pleasure-filled uh, focus is actually being used to torment their souls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have no real rest or relief or joy in their mm-hmm. lives because they're, they're addicted mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. pleasure, and they're paying a heavy price without even realizing it. Absolutely. And uh, just like Friday's battle, the key to overcome selfishness in our own lives is love. Mm. Here's the next part of the lesson. Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's bring the. So, there, there's we're living in a cultural decay right now. The culture's decaying yes. before our very eyes. So, what is causing people to, I don't know, to embrace this selfish focus of life? They. What, what, what's the reason for it that it's decaying so quickly? Um, I know you say that love is the only thing that can get us out of it. Yes. And, and that's true. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten mm-hmm. son. That is the only way out. I agree with that. But how do you initiate that? How do you, get, how do you awaken people's conscience to where they realize, like, I don't want to live this life anymore? Um, they need to see the ultimate selfless act, the cross. Mm-hmm. And they need to see it clearly. They need to understand it, and they need to feel it. Mm. Um, you know, I think one of the things with pleasure that we don't talk about often is it's it's chemical. It's in your brain. Um, these people are addicted to the chemical that their brain releases. It's mm-hmm. called dopamine. Mm. And so when you get off of that and you stop overstimulating yourself, whether it be a media fast or whether it be any type of breaking with this stimulant, mm-hmm. I, and, you know, we look at pleasure. Sometimes people get pleasure in their own reputation, making themselves appear to be mm-hmm. something they're not. Mm. You look at Instagram. You look at influencers. You know, their whole lives are just serving the purpose of getting pleasure from making other people think they have the perfect life. We need to be able to use the digital age 
for God's advantage. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I agree with that. Not to excess, but more than that, mm-hmm. I think people that use these things and that you say they're becoming so narcissistic, they want to see themselves, they want people to talk about themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think the reason for that is it's a lot easier to maintain relationships that are digital mm-hmm. because they require no real Commitment. truth about your own self. Well, it's a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're living in a fantasy world. You're not living in the real world. There's mm-hmm. no risk involved in that. Real relationships require risk. It's like men and women who are involved in pornography. Those illicit pornographic digital relationships, there's no threat to them. Mm-hmm. They There's nothing that you have to do. So like in a real relationship between a man and a woman, it requires risk. It requires a person being vulnerable, a person to be authentically real about their own weaknesses. And especially when you are yourself, someone speaking truth to you about your deficiencies, you humbly accepting that and then working on it rather than you know, going into a state of despair and, you know, eating more food or watching more TV and or building walls around yourself so you're not hurt again, but actually doing the hard stuff in relationship of coming face to face and being vulnerable with one another. Well, That's what strengthens relationships. Well, and this this is not a new thing, though. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look back to Jesus's day, they had these parties where they'd all wear masks and they were called masquerades. Mm-hmm. Seriously? In Jesus's and day? It's Roman. Really? And I can think of nothing more social media than everyone wearing a mask mm, wow. and walking around a party. Oh, wow. It's zero risk. The Greek word. You know what the Greek word is? Hypocrite. Yes. Oh, yes. that's crazy. Isn't it? Whoa. Yep. Hypocrite to masquerade. And so this a mask. idea wow. of wearing a mask in narcissism, you wear the prettiest mask you can find. Mm-hmm. Wow. And people judge you by the mask, not what's under the mask. Mm. But you know, if we were to take our masks off for a moment, they're warts, the leprosy, the disease, the corruption, mm-hmm. all of that stuff that's really under the surface would not be pretty. Mm-hmm. That's why it's compelling to know somebody who is authentically real, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you see you see their weaknesses, they mm-hmm. admit their weaknesses, but they're growing. They're like, I'm going to overcome this sin. Molly, you shared something with me the other day. You said that sometimes I can um, give people things to do that are self-serving. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I don't think there was one ounce of animosity or vengeful thinking on my part. I mean, I am thinking of ways to get back at you, but other than that, (laughs) no, not really. I mean, Uh I want to grow. You know, if someone says something to you that's constructive, Mm -hmm. oh, I I think Dr. Kathy said constructive criticism isn't good. What did she say? Um, Yeah, she kind of emphasized that it's a correction, not criticism, because correction gives you Mm -hmm. a solution and criticism just tears you down without building you up. I was confronted with a moment where I was asked to show selfless love to someone, and it was very uncomfortable. Mm. It was at church on Sunday. We had just had this whole sermon about um, like showing love, and uh, there was this this person who was visibly moved in church. They were just crying mm. and sitting up there, and I'd seen them last week. They kind of looked like they were wrestling with something. I couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl. And uh, so I, I went, I went back to like throw my coffee cup away, and I just felt like I wanted to go up and just talk to them, see how they were doing, because they 
during the service, they got kind of like upset by what was going on, and they were just kind of like sitting there crying. And the, uh, they had a friend sitting next to them, and the friend was um, trying to talk, whatever. They were just kind of unresponsive, and I was like, it'd be so weird to go home and like talk to them. But then all I could think of was um, in that printer of Udell's when the tramp shows up at the church, and he's poor, and he is, um, you know. He's, he's down on his luck or whatever and he comes in and the, the people had just heard a sermon about like giving and caring for the people who are destitute and they mm. all just kind of ignored him and didn't address him at all and was just like yeah that's something I want to do and then they just like didn't even look at him on the way out the door and I was thinking like you know so often the church is full of hypocrites like we don't want to do the hard things and like mm. show love and stuff and I was so concerned about like you know what if they are what if it's awkward or weird or whatever um, but finally, I just kind of swallowed my pride a little bit, and I, I went down, and I sat next to them, and I started talking, and they kind of looked over, and the tears were just streaming down their face. Mm. And I was like, hey, I was like, you know, I, I just shared a little bit about who I was or whatever, and, and they didn't respond, and I was like, so a friend of mine gave me this verse. It was the abide if you abide in me and I in him. Same verse for much fruit and talking about love or whatever. So I was like, I'll just leave this here, and I'm with Lamplighter. We come each week or whatever, and... I didn't quite know what to do next, but I rose to leave and I wanted to like just show them that I cared or whatever. So I reached over and I, I rubbed their shoulder and they kind of like got really upset and they pushed me away. And I, I was just like, ah, no. So then I was just like, okay, like it's in your hands, Lord. And I walked away and I, I mean, I didn't get like a response or anything, but it was, it was crazy because earlier that week, uh, Colin, you talked about um, doing the hard things even when there's not mm. uh, a response or even just like, you know, well, if you show love to people, then how do you get them all to just, you know, transform their hearts and come to Jesus? And I'd been reading about that in Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. I was reading about that. Mm. Great um, book, by the way. Tell out. That's a great book. Yeah. Everyone should read that. Little Tiny Paperback, written by Packer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was one of the first books I read when I was first saved, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. It really helps people to understand Mm -hmm. both sovereignty and our responsibility in evangelism and God's responsibility Mm -hmm. in evangelism. It's an amazing book. Incredible. I'm halfway through it. And I was just reading about like if the goal of evangelizing was to convert people, then we try to get the best business scheme and the best plan and go around and and analyze how everybody did it, like the most successful evangelists. And he was, like, totally tearing that down and be like, you know, Paul talked about this, like, he who plants and he who waters are nothing like it's God who gives the increase. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he says our goal, our, our mission in life is to, like, faithfully give the gospel, faithfully show Jesus to people. And so I'm sitting there, like, feeling rejected by a stranger. I didn't even know them. And then they just, like, push me away. And I just get that feeling in my stomach. And I was like, huh. I was like, this is someone I don't know. It's not like we had this whole relationship and then we're just like, you know, I can't stand you, whatever. Um, it's a stranger. And I was like, in this very small piece, like Jesus was rejected by so many people who he loved deeply and cared about. And it's just that tiny little sliver. And it, it, it like, it was real for a second. And I was mm. like, you know, God knows and they know exactly, he knows exactly what this person is going mm. from, through. And often like when people feel rejected, they can reject other people too and I was like don't make this about me like I gotta not that I was expecting to sit down and they just be like yeah thank you so much for loving me Jesus is awesome like they were they were in a really tough spot Mm. but and I don't know like they've been on my mind a lot this week I'm just kind of praying through that but I don't know I guess that's like really crazy we're doing selfishness today too because 
that was a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge to show selfless love where mm-hmm. it's love without expecting things. Yeah. And so then after mm-hmm. that happened, you know, in that moment, you know, I was following the Lord's leading because I was like, I really don't know what's going to happen. Um, but so many times I'll come to people and I'll like do something nice or I'll, I'll go out of my way to do something kind. And then if I get rejected, I'm like, well, there's no point and get into a Forget bit of this, it. Your feelings get yeah. Hurt. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I think is where it's, it's really challenging with like, what does selfless love look like? Hmm. Uh, that's what it looks like. You, you're praying for them this week. You're yeah. still thinking about them. Mm-hmm. That's selfless love. Colin. Mm-hmm. Amen. Back to the giant selfishness. All right. Well, in order to fight the giant selfishness, we are going to arm ourselves with some scripture. And I'm going to ask you some questions real quick, about four or five questions. All right. So in the curriculum, this comes to this point. After you read the story. After you read the story, Mm -hmm. you you interact with the class and you ask them questions. Okay. And then you hand out cards and the cards will help them fight the giant in the battle okay hold on so this is is this one of those speed games where the first one i'm going to do it speed it's not normally speed (laughs) okay but i'm going to do it speed everything with mark is speed okay hold on okay whoever answers the question first gets the card right um no what we're going to do this time just for fun is everyone has a turn but if molly doesn't know mark can jump in so i'm going to give molly okay let's say five seconds and Mark can jump in. Are we like beating selfishness in the way we play this game? I don't know. Maybe it is. So wait a minute. So like you're going to ask the question, and I have to sit here silently and, <laughs> and, then, and until it? until five seconds in, and then you can answer it each time. Yeah, and then no, and then it's your turn, and then she has to wait. But you can hold your hand up and be the one to do five, four, three. Maybe this is just too much instruction. I'm just going to ask the questions. All right. I'm just going to ask the questions. Anyone can answer. <laughs> okay. In Deuteronomy six four, what are the two things that Israel is supposed to do? Mark, I'm going to let you answer this one. Love the Lord thy God. Yes, that's one. And? And? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Yes, that is correct. Hey! Good job, Mal. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move on to a question from the Proverbs. In okay. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Oh, I got this one. <laughs> a generous person will prosper, and one who refreshes others will... Will be refreshed themselves. Will be refreshed. Yes. Ooh. Yes. According to Proverbs. Wait, did you see what I just did? Oh, you were selfless. Yeah, I gave Molly oh. the answer. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know. know everyone it, heard me say it. Do you, think it <laughs> do you think it's selfless if, if it's cheating, though? Oh. I wasn't cheating. I was oh. just helping you. I was helping you oh. get the answer. Huh. In Proverbs 18.1, an unfriendly person pursues what? Against all sound judgment. An unfriendly person? Yes. What pursues. What? Against all sound judgment. Oh, I have no idea. Can you give us a multiple choice? Uh, is it quarrels, selfish ends, or pleasure? Selfish ends. Quarrels. Selfish ends. Nice. Yay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Psalm 119.36. Kids are going to love this. Mm-hmm. The person writing the psalm wanted God to turn his heart towards what? Wait, wait, wait. Psalm what? Psalm 119, verse 36. The person writing the psalm wanted God to turn his heart towards what? The righteous? No, no, no. It has to be something with selfishness. Toward the word. Selfless? Towards his statutes. Mm. Well, the word and statutes and are then the same. Thing. Wait. He's, it's <laughs> no. on 11936 says, "Turn my heart towards your statutes, not towards selfish gain." Oh. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one with that what we did this good. morning with um yeah. 
the, choosing your friends wisely, they were going after greedy gain. Right. Mm. In, in Proverbs chapter one. Wait, wait, time out. Uh, you, I'll give you credit for it because oh. the word of God <laughs> is the central theme, and statutes is another word for the word of God. You, you get it. Uh, Acts twenty twenty four. Paul considers his worth to be nothing because he wants to complete what? I must increase. No. What race? His race. The race? The race set before him. Yes. So he has set aside himself to complete the race set before him. Now I have one. I'm so selfless. (laughs) Okay. Humbled. Romans 12 (laughs) says we're supposed to be devoted to what? Romans 12 says we're supposed to be devoted to. Being transformed through the renewing of our mind. 1210. Oh. Says be devoted to. Godliness. Um. Give us a multiple choice. Give us a true false. No, because you'll get it. It's <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. Think about selflessness. Uh-huh. Okay, hold on. Be hold devoted on. to. Oh, don't tell us. Just don't tell us. Oh, can we... <laughs> <laughs> oh Actually, now it's a sword drill. <laughs> now it's a sword drill. It's, we've devolved into sword drill. Twelve ten, you said. Yep. Okay. Be kindly 12, affectionate to one another with brotherly Bible, love and honor, giving preference to one another. Yes, be devoted to one another in love. Mm-hmm. Honor one another above each other. Wait a minute, time out, time out. I want a new, I want a new sound engineer. Get her out of there. <laughs> She's cheering for Molly. Uh, yeah, Emily. Okay. No, no, she was just laughing. What? I have one more. Okay, hold on, hold on. We're dealing with a, an, an errant sound designer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, What is it, Em? Let's hear it. <laughs> you were cheering for Molly during that time, <laughs> making me feel like. Oh, she's saying no. <laughs> Oh, she was cheering for herself because she knew it. <laughs> oh, she's cheering for herself. Selfishness. Okay. Oh, I must have, a, I must have some type of complex. <laughs> okay, so you're hired. I, I'm sorry to fire you. <laughs> I have Rehired. one last question here, okay? In 1 John 3, 17, it's, it says, love one another. if anyone has none of this, then how can the love of God be in them? Then the love of God will dwell richly in you. If anyone lacks this or doesn't have this in love. them, Right? Anyone does not have... Okay, First John 3.17 says if anyone has something... Has his world's good. But has nothing... Gains the whole world. If someone has something but has nothing, mm-hmm. then the love of God is not in them. Okay, if he hates, then he does not have the love of God in him. Says he has if no he hates sin? his brother. If anyone has material possessions... I said that earlier. And sees his brother or sister in need oh. but has no pity... It's no pity. Oh. That's what you're supposed to not have. If you oh. have material possessions and you see someone in need, but you have no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Oh, Ooh, that's, that's good. How do you, okay, I see homeless people all the time now. Mm. How do you do that? I mean, okay, so we were on our way to church several weeks ago, and there was this woman pitifully looking on a corner down there. And, and I remember we were stopped at the stoplight, and I remember looking at her like, she re- really looks like she needs help. Mm-hmm. And I drove by her, and boy, God just like convicted me, like go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. And so, it wasn't until we were like I don't know three or four miles out, and I was like I I got to go back. And then we went back, and it took us like twenty minutes. By the time I got back, she was gone. Mm. I went back the next week on a Saturday, drove out to Rochester by myself, and I was actually looking for her. Mm. on the streets mm. and I, I couldn't find her um so how do you how do you deal with that when they're like wherever i go now i mean this is just out of control i remember hearing this in a conversation of two men in a starbucks mm. about 20 years ago it was about 20 years ago i heard them saying 
that this was going to happen in the United States, that there was going to be this new wave of homeless people. They were going to take the country over by storm. It was, a, it was purposeful. So, you know, when I was in Europe, it was like crazy. Homeless encampments everywhere and around the city. Mm-hmm. St. Paul's Cathedral. You couldn't even walk through there. You had to walk through yeah. people's tents, basically. Well, Mark, there's a new trend on social media. People living in their vans and their cars. I'm sorry, but that's just homeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's people, people living do. in their cars on social media who are big influencers. They're living in their vans and cars. And where I come from, you're not a van dweller or car dweller. You're homeless. So some of those people, Huge. though, are mm-hmm. there n- not because of their own doing. They're just they, they've, they've come on hard times. Yes. Or, you know, God's trying to teach them something. Well, I, sh- I shared a story this morning with the class. Um, I was at a church, and um, we had a lady who actually was part of the original church. She was, must have been in her 80s. She worked right up into her 80s. Amazing woman. Mm. And um, she'd fallen on hard times, and she had a hole in her roof. Mm. And it was raining. Oh. And the rain was falling on the ground and rotting the wood. Oh. And we had people in our church who were donating to large ministries. Mm. They were donating to a ministry, $10,000 a year, to a ministry that pulls in annually a billion dollars a year. But not and taking it, care of the widow. Yeah, and we had people in our church who were former ministers, who were carpenters, skilled tradesmen who could fix it in a day. Mm. And no one fixed it for her. Oh. Wow. And, uh, and that was just broke my heart. Um, that was one of the struggles I had as a pastor. How do you help all these people? You know, someone comes up, they pull into your church, and they've just got nothing. Mm-hmm. And they're on fumes. And, uh, you know, I always made an effort to help them. I've had people, though, steal from me in those situations, too. I had people come in into our church all the time yep. or come in here to Lamplighter. They would show me, you know, that they don't have enough gas to get to yep. Chicago. A family member died. They got to get there. And usually you could tell if well, they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. But Well, I never felt bad about filling someone's tank up with gas or buying them a meal. Rather than giving them money. Rather than giving yeah. them a meal. Give, buying them groceries. Um, you know, I've never felt bad about that. But when it comes to giving people cash... Uh, as ministries, you do have to be careful. Okay, so I know we got to wrap this up right now, but um, when I was in Philadelphia, I met a homeless person, and um, if they would say, give me money, I wouldn't give it to them, but I would always say, I'll, I'll buy you a meal, you know? Mm-hmm. And this one guy comes up to me, and he goes, hey, would you mind buying me my dinner? Mm. And I'm like, you're the first homeless guy that's ever asked me for food. I said, mm-hmm. of course I will. And so I said, not only that, I said, but let's go in and eat together. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, they know me. He goes, they wouldn't want me in here. He goes, but if you could just buy it, I'll eat out here on the curb. So I sat, went out, bought him. It was a nice um, Thai Thai food uh, dinner. Mm-hmm. We came out, and the two of us sat down and on the curb <laughs> eating together. It was a summer summer evening, and uh, I just wanted to get to know how he got to be that that way. And he goes, he goes, hey, and he shook my hand. He goes, my name's Joe, and I said, I'm Mark. I said, Joe, how how'd you end up becoming homeless? He goes, this is my calling. He goes and. Before you say another word, he goes, I got a question to ask you. I said, sure. He goes, do you know if you died tonight where you'd go? And I'm like, I can't believe it. This guy's a believer. Mm. You know, and he goes, mm. he goes, I want to tell you about my Lord and Savior. And he starts telling me about Jesus and he starts giving me the gospel. And I let him do the whole thing. Mm. It was beautiful. And I said, mm. Joe, I'm a believer. He goes, praise. And the two of us hugging each other. There's this homeless guy and me hugging each other. You know, and we're laughing and we're eating Thai food on the curb. And mm. and I said, you're a believer. Why would God allow you to be homeless? He goes, my calling. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I was in Vietnam. He goes, I got I got injured. He goes, I came home with all kinds of PTSD, is it called? PTSD. And uh, he goes, and I mentally just not right. He yeah. goes, and I lost my marriage. 
He goes, I have kids. He goes, he goes, everyone rejected me. He goes, I just couldn't deal with it. And he goes, and I realized the only place that I'm really like accepted is here on the streets. He goes, mm. and he goes, I have a ministry to all these hundreds of homeless people. He goes, I go around sharing the gospel. He goes, and God not once has not fed me breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Not wow. once. Whoa. He goes, I have no money. He goes, but God gives me the clothes that I need. He gives me a place to live under a bridge or wherever it is. He goes, and I'm perfectly satisfied. This is my calling. This is my assignment. And I'm like fulfilled. Hmm. And I left that evening thinking like, wow, talk about a selfless life. Yeah. Understanding hmm. his limitations and understanding his calling. And he was rich. And I was like, Praise God. Joe. Yep. And we became like, I, I met him several more times and like, hey, Joe, you know? Yep. Well, That's crazy. This is how we end the Giant Killer Sunday School class. Today we learned that the love of God and love of others is the only way to escape the pit of selfishness. Mm. One of the most significant challenges we're going to face in our lives is selfishness. Mm. As we follow Jesus, we begin to act more like him. This means loving others and sacrificing our own desires in order to seek the good of others. Mm. So this week, my encouragement to you, as it will be this Sunday school, is to look for opportunities to sacrifice your own desires for the good of others. When we act like Jesus, it makes us happy and it makes God happy as well. Mm. Mm, that's great. And then we pray together with the kids, and that's the end of the Sunday school. Oh, that's so exciting. I love it. So, Colin and Molly, let's end in First John. It says this. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God mm. and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. You ready? Mm -hmm. How do you think it was manifested? Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world the that we might live through him. Our lives need to be such that when other people are involved in our lives, mm. they begin to live as a result of us because of our relationship with Christ. Mm. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. We need to be initiators, proactive in loving others, not waiting for others mm -hmm. to respond. And I love this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Amen. 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 God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit lamplighter.net slash podcast and fill out the form. That's lamplighter.net slash podcast.